Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you happen to be listening to this, the latest episode of The Curated Culture, I am your gracious, humble host, Rob, aka Robbie Diesel, and I want to thank you guys for once again pressing play or downloading or streaming this latest episode of The Curated Culture. I'm excited to be recording again. I'm very excited that I don't have to hold my mic or that I don't have to position myself to be just so. This new little uh, mic arm gizmo is exactly what the doctor ordered because I can just chill in my office. Right now, I am staring out into the night sky. I am tucked perfectly under my Vegeta blanket and I am talking right now to myself but also to you guys so thank you thank you so very much for uh, affording me this ability how are you guys doing out there y'all been all right did you have a a stellar week how about a stellar weekend i'm recording this on a sunday mother's day to be exact so happy mother's day to all the moms out there moms to be current moms past moms, repeat moms, stand-in moms, all of you moms out there, happy Mother's Day to you. If nobody else has told you today, which I'm pretty sure a lot of people have, but just know, Robbie Diesel appreciates you. I appreciate every single thing that you do, taking care of the kids, doing the dishes, running back and forth to school and school events and sporting events, everything that you do. Thank you tremendously. We appreciate it. So we got a pretty good show lined up for you today. Mostly it's going to be uh, Google and AI once again. I don't want to sound like a, a broken record here, but Google just held their I.O. conference. And there was a lot of things that was announced that I have things to say about and things to say on. So uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. But before we get into the main show, of course, there's always a little bit of business to take care of. And that business is making sure that however you are hearing the sound of my velvety smooth voice, that you are subscribed to this podcast. That's right. You need to make sure that you're subscribed to the show. That way you don't miss any episodes when we upload, which generally is on Monday. Fresh, hot, new content every single Monday perfect way to start your week off and there's no better way to do that than to make sure that you're subscribed to the show so whether you're hearing this on apple Podcasts, spotify iHeartRadio, stitcher radio samsung or amazon podcast make sure that you have subscribed and also make sure that you leave us a five-star rating or review as you're probably aware by now, that five-star rating and review helps us out in the algorithm, gets us in front of more eyes and into more ears, which, you know, at the end of the day, furthers my plot for world domination. So thank you so very much for doing that in advance. Also, make sure that you're checking us out over on social media via at The Curated Culture on Facebook and Instagram, at underscore Curated Culture on Twitter, and then you can follow me personally. Follow your boy via at Robbie Diesel on the tweets, on the Instagrams, on the snaps, on the TikToks, virtually everywhere. Make sure you're checking me out. Shoot me a follow that way. Coming up next weekend, May 19th through the 21st, 
I and the rest of the Curated Culture crew, the Ginger Ninja at Red One Maria, and of course Diesel Jr. will be in effect at the uh, Suburban Show place down in Novi. We'll be attending Motor City Comic Con. So we'll be there, uh, of course, covering the event all weekend long, doing interviews, taking pictures, recording videos, the whole shot. If you happen to be in the area, stop by, man. It's always a great show. It's always a fun time. Fantastic things to see and take in. Panels are usually always dope. There's always really great collectibles. Everything that you would want in a Comic-Con is usually there. It's, it, I've said it before, Motor City Comic-Con is one of my favorite Comic-Cons to attend, and I genuinely cannot wait for the weekend to roll around. So again, May 19th through the 21st, Suburban Show Place in Novi, Michigan. Get there. Take in the sights and sounds of Motor City Comic Con. And if you happen to run upon me while I'm working, uh, definitely don't hesitate to say what's up. I will give you the staunchest high five you've ever had in your life and uh, send you on your way. So make sure you, <laughs> make sure you check that out, too. And uh, without further ado, I say we get into the show. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> So this past week, Google held their annual I.O. Developers Conference, and uh, they announced quite a few things there. It was really weird this year, though, because in previous years, the I.O. Conference, we kind of, and when I say we, I mean, you know, fans of Google, journalists, members of the media, what have you, we kind of would expect the event to be anchored by Google hardware announcements. It's usually where they kind of take to the stage to make a hoopla about the latest Pixel devices coming down the pipeline, maybe some headphones, you know, earbuds, I should say, things like that. And and it's not that they didn't do that this year because they definitely did. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But it seemed like this year's event was really anchored or headlined by Google's hard lean into AI and AI integration across all of their product families. So we're not only going to see things like, you know, Google Bard in the future, but the Google Assistant is getting smarter. Google Maps are getting smarter. Google Photos is getting smarter. Gmail is getting smarter. Everything will get smarter. And I just did air quotes, even though you can't see them. Um, everything is getting smarter by way of AI, and that was the one central focus this year at um, at I/O. It was it was really impressive and intriguing that Google is is doubling down on AI as a lot of leaders in the tech community and a lot of companies um, in the tech community in the tech sector are almost backing away from it. Right there was. Uh, a gentleman that left his job at Google to speak out against what he felt were the perceived dangers of AI. And, and this gentleman was one that actually created AI. Um, I'll, I'll spare you the story here if you want to hear it. Bounce back to literally last week's episode where I talk about it in, uh, in great detail Um but it seems to me that it's really interesting that Google 
And, and it's not just Google. Microsoft has also doubled down. They've integrated AI into um, Bing, and eventually it'll be in their Edge uh, web browser, probably integrated throughout Windows at some point. Um, Chat GPT is a thing. It, it, AI is is slowly but surely becoming an, a new central focus everywhere. But it was really interesting to see Google's take and Google's focus around AI. Like uh, of of IO, I would like to say that about seventy five percent of that event was dedicated to AI. Whereas again, in the past, it is generally you know it'd be 10 to 30 percent of new software or or some sort of new development in their ai it was glancing glanced over but nothing major this year it, every every single aspect of google is headed towards um ai integration and one of the cooler things that i saw was um ai essentially being used to further simplify and enhance those helpful apps that we use. Gmail, of course, to communicate, Google Maps. Um, one of the things that Gmail will be gaining is something called Help Me Write, which is a, an AI-guided feature that will essentially assist you in writing responsorial emails or crafting brand new emails. Now, they, they led on with how they first introduced quick replies back in 2017, I believe it was. Uh, and then they introduced Smart Compose, which basically used AI to try to predict what the next words in a sentence should be as you were creating an email. Well, Help Me Write basically takes the wheel and composes and creates emails for you all on their own. So, the premise of this is basically on stage, they demoed an email where a flight had been canceled and the airline offered a flight voucher, essentially, as consolation for, for a canceled flight. Well, for some, may, maybe that's not good enough, right? So help me write, essentially, will lay out, you know, a couple of suggestions for you, or you can type in, much like ChatGPT or Google's Bard right now, you can type in a prompt. In, in this example, they used, write me an email asking for a full refund. And within seconds, Gmail had composed a nice three-paragraph email asking the airline for a refund. Well, let's say that prompt isn't exactly what you want to say. You're not feeling it. Maybe it's it's a little too light. Maybe it's not stern enough. Well, there will be after the help me write feature is enabled and after you use it, there will be little prompts at the bottom to make suggestions to make the email more stern. Or perhaps you went in a little too too firm and too fast already there will be prompts to lighten up and i think that is really amazing and uh, could be really really helpful especially for those who may not necessarily i don't want to say thrive with conflict but <laughs> like there are there are some people who you know would get something like that and would go oh well i guess this vouchers is really all that i all that i can do all that i can deal with 
and they won't even think to, you know, try to push back a little bit. Or maybe they do want to push back, but they struggle with finding the wording or the words to ask flat out for a refund. Well, coming soon, you won't have to. Gmail will do it automatically for you, which is is pretty incredible. Uh, Google also spent some time talking about uh, Palm in their workspace add-ons that that will be coming later this year and coding assistance and things like that i have thoughts on that which i'm going to get to in just a moment here but i also want to bounce to a few more of the consumer products specifically so google maps is going to get uh, something called immersive routes Um, i believe that's the term that they use immersive routes which is basically when you plug in uh, for directions on your Google Maps, it'll show you the route specifically. And if where you are navigating to is included in the list of cities, they, they said it was going to be a couple to start off with, like New York, San Francisco, London and Tokyo. And it's going to expand to about 15 cities by the end of the year and then even more afterwards. Uh, but what immersive routes does is it basically gives you a virtual tour of where you're going. So in addition to something like Street View, where it just kind of showed you the surrounding area standing still, this immersive routes feature is actually going to guide you, is going to show you what it looks like along the way. So if it looks like it's going to be kind of tricky, whether or not you should exit at this point or that point, you'll be able to physically see it on the map. And in addition to that, You also will now, thanks to AI integration, you will also be able to search or input um, a query into the forecast an hour or two hours or three hours down the line. You can also see what traffic is going to be like around that time, which is pretty incredible, right? To be able to fully plan for (laughs) your trip before you even leave and accommodate for weather and traffic you know we watch forecasts all the time but sometimes the forecast is tricky sometimes snow or rain rolls in a lot sooner than you expect and with this immersive routes feature in google maps it is essentially trying to give us the ability to again account or accommodate for those things so that we know hey it looks like the rain's going to roll in a little bit sooner Maybe you're going to want to leave a little bit sooner or maybe traffic's going to be heavier than you expect in the middle of the day. So you might want to accommodate for that, leave sooner or leave later so you don't run into that rush hour traffic. I think that's really, really cool. And that's something that I myself, because I travel fairly frequently for Comic Cons, I think that's something that I would tremendously benefit from. just, Just that alone, the traffic alone would be stellar let alone being able to accommodate or account for weather. Like, I, I think that's cool. And another thing that they showcase that I really think is cool is uh, their Magic Editor, which is coming to Google Photos. Um, Magic Editor is a takeoff from Magic Eraser in the sense that it is basically the exact opposite of magic eraser now if you don't know what magic eraser is or what it does it is essentially a feature within google photos that allows you to remove 
unwanted objects from your photos thanks to you know a, again ai integration you can circle or brush an object out of the background and as long as it fits within the parameters sometimes you get some really murky results but generally it works pretty well it'll just remove whatever you highlight out of the photo well magic editor works in the sense that if you let's say you're taking a picture of your child and the child is holding uh, balloons or some sort of object and you take the picture slightly off center or you chop off the object that they're holding or maybe they have their hand outstretched and, and you accidentally chop that off well magic editor has the ability to preserve image sensor data and restore that and it restores it quite dynamically in the sense that you can actually drag a portion, a subject into the center of the frame. If they're slightly, you know, off off center, you can drag them into the center of the frame. And if there was anything that was cut off or anything that was um, missed in the initial photo, the magic editor has the ability to restore those things which is, is truly incredible. Like we're, we're looking at some really groundbreaking technology here. And in addition to that, you can also adjust the, the blue of the sky. Let's say in the photo, the sky is a little grayer, a little hazier than you would like. You can make the sky more blue, more punchy. And if you do that, it will automatically adjust the lighting throughout the rest of the photo for you so that it doesn't look overly edited, which is, again, mind-blowing the capabilities that you're going to be able to have in the palm of your hands thanks to AI is about to be remarkable. And as as a gadget guy, as as a, a tech head, like I cannot wait to get my hands on some of this stuff. I know most of these will roll out to pixels in the next couple of weeks and then eventually hit Google Photos for everybody near the end of the year. But man, like I I cannot cannot wait so in addition to google leaning into ai they also announced the new google pixel fold which i also talked about briefly on last week's episode and i i hate to say it but it looks like i was right about the pixel fold the phone is here it's a pixel it's a foldable and that's pretty much it. The phone is going to retail at $1,800 and it's available for pre-order right now. And I believe it starts shipping this week or maybe next week. Um, it honestly has specs very similar to the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold in and of itself. Uh, the biggest, I guess, disadvantage of the phone is that the bezels on the inside display are really thick and really chunky but from what i've read it spec wise it is the same size as the internal display on the galaxy z fold so yeah the bezels are, are a bit thicker than than what i or you know most smartphone enthusiasts would want right now but even though those bezels are thicker you're not really losing screen real estate if that makes sense now, the Z Fold may have a sharper display altogether, um, and it, it 
it could very well be long short the better of the foldables but i'm not sure what would make it better i was having a conversation with a friend about it recently and he asked me the question well why why would the z fold be better outside of the fact that you know it's the first foldable and that it's a samsung and initially i was thinking like well because it does this or it does that or it does this and as I dug more and more into the specs on the Google phone, the, the Google, the Pixel Fold specifically, I couldn't, I couldn't honestly respond that way. I, I didn't, I didn't know what would make the Z Fold any better. And I was one that I really wanted Google to kind of push the envelope in terms of performance and hardware and capability. And they didn't. And I guess I kind of see why now, because they don't have to. If they can make a phone that is as good as the current king of foldables, which is the Z Fold, and if it hangs with that phone or is remotely close to it, then they've done their job. If they could steal at least a piece of the market share from Samsung, then they've done their job. There is no need for them to make an insanely stellar foldable because the one arena that they already have Samsung beating in leaps and bounds is the software experience. Now, if you've ever spoken to somebody that's used a Pixel specifically, they will tell you their two most favorite things about the phone itself is the camera and the software. As I've said before, Google has gotten really really good at making excellent hardware and software marriages, right? Like a lot of the shortcomings of the hardware on Google devices are completely and totally made up by the excellent software experience. And I would expect it to be no different with the Pixel Fold. So yeah, I guess last week, my stance, <laughs> since last week, my stance has softened on the Pixel Fold a little bit. I wanted it to be this this grandiose, giant, foldable, foldable killer. And it, after watching the event and then actually studying again the specs on the Z Fold and other foldables that are on the market right now, it, it, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be the biggest, baddest foldable because again, the, the software experience alone is gonna give it an advantage over anything else that's out there. Not to mention, again, the Pixel camera experience has stood out head and shoulders above the competition for years. And I don't expect that to change with the uh, with the Pixel Fold. So I would imagine we're going to see some pretty stiff competition in the foldables uh, sector right now. It is ironic that Google chose to go with the Tensor 2 chipset as its main processor. So the phone, kind of already starts off behind the curve in that sense, hardware wise. But again, Google does an excellent job of, of making those hardware shortcomings really, really, really non-existent uh, because of the, the software experience and the software integration. I'm curious to see what um, the Pixel 8 and Pixel 8 Pro looks like, what kind of chips they're going to have in them, and if that's going to dictate essentially what is on board in the next pixel fold but either way um i i think i think the pixel fold might 
do surprisingly well. Now, an $1,800 price tag is not going to be easy for anybody to swallow, really, especially considering if you were an early adopter and you picked up the Pixel 7 Pro, and if you happen to get like the 128 gig model, trading value on Google's website for a Google Pixel 7 Pro is 380 bucks, less than half of the retail value of the phone, less than a year later after its release. That is what you can get for that device. So, um, again, I'm really curious to see, you know, some of the reviews, some more in-depth hands-on on the phone. I, I, I don't, I don't have as harsh of a feeling about it though, as, as of right now, because it doesn't really have to blow the Z fold out of the water in terms of hardware and capability. It just right now, it just needs to keep up, which I think is exactly what Google wanted to do. So lastly, looking at AI and how prevalent it is and how prevalent it is about to be, I wanted to offer a few thoughts, a few key takeaways after watching the Google event. AI, in my mind, is going to be really disruptive in the creative space specifically. Google demoed a program, and, and you guys will have to forgive me, I forgot the name of it, but it is an Adobe program that, that they are partnering with. Um, so you can use Bard, and you can use this Adobe program to create images uh, using prompts, right? Your, your AI assistant is going to create photos based on prompts that, that you want to build. And, and the, the demo on stage was to create a photo of a unicorn eating cake. And again, in seconds, in seconds, it was done. And not only was it done, but there was four different options for you to choose from. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever had to work with a graphic designer, but I have a few different times. And I will admit, to see something like that produced in that sort of detail is pretty impressive. As I've worked with graphic designers in the past, usually the turnaround time on the low end is, you know, a week, week and a half, two weeks. And to see something like that appear in front of me in less than a minute is, is remarkable. And that's why I say I think AI is going to be really disruptive for those in, in the creative or creator space. And these are also things that have been brought to light. Uh, people are, have protested about it. The fact that writers, graphic artists, coders even, could, could see a tremendous drop in, um, in the job market as a result of, of AI. Because not only is AI capable of doing the things that these people are doing, but it can also do them much, much faster. Now, at what cost does this speed occur? Well, I think right now, personally, the cost of AI in, in the speed itself, with certain things at least, is going to be accuracy. I played around with Google Bard 
and ChatGPT for a little bit earlier this week. And I just kind of wanted to to see a few things. And, and I did do things like have it create photos for me. I had it search for and explain quantum physics to me. And it, it, it did a, a pretty decent job, pretty solid, actually, in making it really easy to understand and easy to digest. But there are also things that are wildly inaccurate when it comes to AI. And I think that in and of itself um, could be a really, really big issue down the line. So what, I'm, what I want to read to you guys before we wrap up here is a description of me <laughs> from a search on Google Bard and then a search on chat GPT. And while I, I wish, I wish that majority of this is, is true. It, uh, it is not, it embellished quite a bit. And these are the inaccuracies that we could run into if we are using AI right now in its current state. Eventually, it will be better. It will get better. It will get faster and it will get more accurate. But for right now, it is wildly inaccurate. Wildly. So I used a very simple prompt, a very simple question, one in ChatGPT and one into Google Bard, which I'm going to read to you right now. And uh, again, it, it, I wish I wish all of this was true, but it is not. It is highly inaccurate and, and it showcases a little bit of the dangers of using AI again, especially if you're trying to use it for research purposes. Um, the prompt that I use is very simply tell me about Robbie Diesel. That is, of course, my online moniker, what I use on, on the interwebs. And this is what Google Bard had to say. Robbie Diesel is a Twitter account created by Rob Bogan, a software engineer and data scientist at Google AI. This account is used to share news and information about large language models, as well as to discuss the ethical implications of artificial intelligence. Bogan is also the creator of BARD, a large language model from Google AI. Robbie Diesel has over 100,000 followers on Twitter and is considered to be a leading voice in the field of large language models. Bogan's work has been featured in publications such as the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and Wired. He's also a frequent speaker at conferences and events on the topic of artificial intelligence. In addition to his work on large language models, Bogan is also interested in the ethical implications of artificial intelligence. He is a co-founder, he is a co-founder of the Partnership on AI, a nonprofit organization that works to promote the responsible development of artificial intelligence. He is also a member of the Google AI ethics team. Bogan is a passionate advocate for the responsible development of artificial intelligence. He believes that AI has the potential to do great good in the world, but that it is important to be aware of the potential risks. He is committed to working with others to ensure that AI is used for good. That last paragraph, the very last paragraph, is somewhat accurate. I have had discussions with friends, very close friends, family members. I am one that I am a firm believer in the potential for AI 
to do good. But what I just read to you is an example of the potential for AI to create very misleading, highly inaccurate statements. Now, if I was none the wiser, <laughs> if I were not Robbie Diesel himself, if I was just somebody researching that at a quick glance, yeah, maybe I'm not going to jump over to Twitter to see my actual Twitter follower count, which is tremendously lower than 100K, by the way. Maybe I'm not going to research to see if Rob Bogan is actually associated with Google, let alone somebody that is the creator of the very software that I'm using. Like that is insane. And thankfully, there are prompts again um, for you to be able to go in and you can correct or report an inaccuracy, which is what I'm doing right now. But I find it really intriguing that it can be that far off base. Like, that's kind of scary. So the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read the same exact prompt through ChatGPT. And we're going to see specifically what we come up with. So here we go. Here is the prompt from ChatGPT. And I had to use my actual government name. So Rob Bogan is a writer and content creator who has contributed to a variety of online publications and media outlets. He is also the founder of The Curated Culture, a website that focuses on highlighting diverse perspectives and stories in the world of entertainment, technology, and lifestyle. Through The Curated Culture, Bogan seeks to promote a more inclusive and accessible media landscape by showcasing artists, creators, and entrepreneurs from underrepresented communities. The website features articles, interviews, and reviews on a wide range of topics, including music, film, TV, gaming, and social issues. Bogan is known for his thoughtful and insightful commentary on pop culture and technology, as well as his passion for empowering others to share their stories and experience. He has also been a guest speaker at various conferences and events where he has shared his expertise on digital media and audience engagement. So I will admit, uh, ChatGPT has gotten way more accurate. That description specifically is, I would say, 100% spot on, specifically about me in general. Whereas with Bard, it was maybe 5% accurate to who I am and what I do. So the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway that I want you to, to walk away from hearing this episode specifically is do your homework. Always, always, always. Multiple sources. Do your research. If something sounds off or even if it looks like it could be off, jump in to a second source, a third source. Vet the information that you're coming across because AI is going to be the source of so much mis and disinformation that we have to take the responsibility of vetting the information that we absorb pretty much all on our own. Not saying don't trust anything that you hear or see, but before you trust it, do your diligence to make sure it is legit. AI is going to be really divisive in the coming weeks, months, years. There's going to be two groups of people in the world. 
there are going to be people who adopt AI, they're going to use it, and it's going to simplify their lives, and it's going to make them more effective and more efficient in their everyday lives, at home and at work. That is the truth about AI. And then there's going to be the group of people that will push back against it. And they're going to have to work really, really hard to keep up with those who do adapt and adopt to the influence of AI in the world. I'm not going to tell you which side of the fence you should sit on, but I do again want to encourage you to look into it, to make smart and informed choices over what and how you use AI. Because the truth of the matter is, no matter what you do, where you work, how you work, at some point, AI is going to influence your life. And it is better to know about it and to be aware of its capability than to not. And that's pretty much what I got for y'all this week, man. Thank you so very much. I know we went a little long. We went a little long this week, but as you can tell, like I love I love talking about this stuff. I see the good and the bad in it, but let me know what you think. Shoot us a line, drop us a, a tweet or, or snap or, or comment on a TikTok, whatever. What do you think about AI yourself? Do you use it? Are you currently using it? Let me know your thoughts at The Curated Culture on Facebook and Instagram at underscore Curated Culture on Twitter, or you can drop them to me personally, Rob, aka Robbie Diesel, the creator of Bard <laughs> and, and uh, general AI czar with Google uh, via at Robbie Diesel everywhere on the tweets, on the Instagrams, on the Snapchats, on the TikToks, all over the place, man. I'm really curious to hear y'all thoughts. Thank you so very much for checking out this week's episode. Thank y'all for tuning in. Uh, I know again, we went long. I appreciate y'all checking this out as always again, May 19th through the 21st motor city comic con be there or be square. I would love to see some of y'all happy smiley faces. And again, free high fives if you spot me out in the crowd. Also, make sure that you subscribe to this show so that you don't miss an episode. Wherever your podcasts are served, simply search for The Curated Culture. We will pop up. Hit that subscribe button. Drop us a five-star rating or review. I will love you long time for doing so. I am your gracious, humble host, Rob, a.k.a. Robbie Diesel, and I will catch y'all on the next episode. Peace.